Thanksgiving here. break is always nice in this season, just because it's like, okay, yes. that's... that's when everybody a, gets their screeners so they can take them home yep. and enjoy and them with their You're sick of hearing family. yourself talk, so... <laughs> yeah. I'm never sick of hearing you talk, but then again, I don't have to talk your, your voice all the time. I'm that's sick true. of hearing me talk. Yeah, there you go. I'm sure, yeah, yeah. After all these years, I'm, yeah. I like, can't stand it anymore, which is why I do this, and why you're on camera, <laughs> and I'm not, why I'm not. Hi, it's David Poland. This is the audio version of DP30. Today's guest, the author of Bombshell, the screenwriter, Charles Randolph. Hope you enjoy. When did this, when did Bombshell, it wasn't Bombshell when you started, but when did this story become into your life as a uh, possibility of a script? Uh, 2016. So Ailes is fi fired in August. We were pitching probably by October. We you know, being? Margaret Riley and I. Okay. Uh, my producing partner. And so um, we went around town about, I think the, probably the same week the Billy Bush tape hit the news. <laughs> so that was, that was interesting. And, you know, everyone was interested. We went to eight different places and everybody seemed really interested. Uh, and Annapurna stepped up and had, had the most interesting things to say and, and the way to do it. And so we went that way. Was your angle the same angle that you ended up with? Or? Yeah, yeah. It, it narrowed in scope over time, uh, but a little bit, some, most of that happened before Jay and Charlize came around. You know, it started out with uh, a relatively Baroque chorus of women. Mm -hmm. There were six primaries and I think 10 others we heard from at some point in voiceover. And it was a really, uh, a, a pretty broad palette. The end would have been then these women's voices coming together in a kind of chorus-like way. Mm -hmm. um, and then it, it became clear that we were going to have to narrow it down. So we narrowed it down to three, three primary stories and then, you know, four or five uh, secondary stories. We even shot, however, some of the uh, other voiceover. Um, Ailes, Beth Ailes, for example, had a voiceover. There was a, a fun character who told the Murdoch story, who is Prudence Murdoch, Rupert's oldest daughter, who no one ever hears from. Mm. And as she said in the voiceover, you can't see me because dad wouldn't let me in the business. <laughs> she, gave, she gave this, you know, this, sort of, this sort of background to the Murdochs. But all that sort of got trimmed away you know, in, in post. So did um, you know more about this? Did you know a lot about the story when you started putting it all together? Or did, it, was it, did you pitch the idea and then start really doing research? No, I started, had done enough. I mean, there was a lot in the press. You know, there was, you know, this is a, this is a year and a, you know, two years, I guess, before Harvey. So, um, you know, there was a lot, there was a lot in, in the press at that time, even about, about Roger. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I had met some of the people over the years. I, I live in New York, so, you know, you would encounter people socially. So I knew, a, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a story that a lot of people were talking about, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, Ailes was the most powerful figure in America, corporate America, probably, yeah, probably in all industries at the time to be brought down uh, by by these kinds of accusations. And that was a big deal, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so you went around, you, so you pitched the story, they were interested, and then you start writing or? Yeah, so uh, sold it, uh, deal was closed just after the election. <laughs> uh, we were done with a first draft by 1st of May, 15th of May, got some notes. You know, the legal process took a little longer. You know, Annapurna was very good, but, you know, there was some real vetting that had to occur. So, you know, I thankfully had, um, in some ways, had, thankfully, in some ways not, I had gotten a letter from Charles Harder, the famous mm -hmm. lawyer. Yes. Who was Ailes's lawyer. <laughs> Essentially the same letter he sent journalists like Gabe Sherman, which said, uh, get ready, you know, we're, you know save everything. Or, you know, we, we, you know, this feels like an issue about which there will be a lawsuit for sure. 
and um, that ended up being mute because Ailes died, obviously. But but uh, so so you know, we were I was pretty good at chronicling where everything came from, uh, and so the, the legal process took a while, but it was not painful, you know. But they had to vet things as they always do, and uh, because we lost our studio, which is a separate story, you know, we um, uh, that process happened again and again, four or five times. So did you know, when you wrote that draft of the script, or that yeah. version of the script, yeah. was it uh, w the whole issue of what is real, what we're seeing that's real, and what are right. people who are portraying people? Right, yeah. Uh, was that the same as, similar to what we ended up seeing? On Absolutely the, the same. The yeah. same. Remember, everyone is based on someone re real. It's right. just, I'm not telling you who some of them are. <laughs> that's, the, that's the key, right? So, yeah. so even Kayla is based on, you know, her sexuality is based on someone, you know, that weird position of being someone whose sexuality is fluid, but also you're a zealot, but also you have a strong moral sense. That's based on... So based on one specific person. One specific not person. Okay. That part of her is based on one specific Her relationship to Roger, the sexual interaction with Roger, is based on three different people, right? Uh, who we have either direct narratives from or indirect narratives from. Mm -hmm. uh, and then some of her background variables are from my family. I grew up in a Fox family. You know, we had the bug burn into the television, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, so, so there's that, you know. Um, but... but uh, my, my parents are not country club conservatives as hers would be. They are more evangelical. But, yeah, mm -hmm. I come from that world. So all that happens. You bounce from one place to the next in terms right. of who's going to be funding this thing. Right. And when did Jay and Charlize come along? You know, Charlize came along really early. You know, one of the, I think one of the first lines of the pitch was Megan, Charlize Throne as Megan Kelly because you often do that thing. Right. You sort of give the, the, the studio a sense of who, that, who, who um, you're interested in. And it's always dangerous because they may come back once the script is done and says, okay, let's go to that person. <laughs> you're like, well, well we were, that was just, an, you know. Right. But in this case, we were all very excited. And so they, they went to her right away as soon as the legal, I think the day after the legal team said, okay, we're all good to go. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we sent a script to her. Uh, I want to say that was late August, October 5th, something like that. And then Harvey happened about three weeks later. So, mm. so, so th those things were running simultaneously. And it sounds from Charlize telling the story repeatedly that she was a little bit uh, not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, how long did that go on for? About four months, about three months. You know, I think she knew she wanted to be involved in some way. I think she, she had a great desire to do it. But she was obviously scared of it, scared of what it would mean, scared of, of, of representing that person uh, and, 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 and doing the job that she would have to do. Uh, and so she started dialogue with Jay, and you know that proved to be helpful for her. And you know, they, she asked him to direct. Did that keep? Were you waiting on that to get to to go to like Nicole and Margot? Yeah, or? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she you was know. the first. That was the key, first key. She was the first key. Term. Right. Yeah, and, and also before we went to a director too. Right. right? You know, I think the next key was going to be a director. Um, you know, obviously I was. We all were pushing for a woman. We all wanted a woman. Uh, female director, but it was huh. that period of early 2017 where Time's Up was at a pretty f starting to get at a fever, pretty fevered pitch, and so you know a lot of the great female directors just went off the market. It was it was an interesting period. Right? Well, you had actually worked with Patty Jenkins before. I had, and you know I did I did have a, a conversation with Patty, and she said like I'm just so busy, you know. So uh, there were there were some preliminary discussions, conversations. We didn't send the script anywhere, but we sort right. of felt, and you just it was very hard. It was just not a lot of. I mean, thank God it was a, it was a, it was a fascinating moment where these stu studios for hundreds of years who've resisted female directors all felt they had to have, you know, some <laughs> and like tomorrow. Uh -huh. So, so, so a lot of, you know, a, a, a lot of the, the women were busy. So in that, that I think 
in combination with what, and, and mostly with what made, made Charlize comfortable, you know. Uh, and Jay's obviously so collaborative and has such a great reputation for drama and comedy together. Was Adam on the docket, or was it a conversation? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I know Adam, you know. Uh, um, Adam actually you had a little bit of success with him. I had a little bit of success. You know, Adam <laughs> is one of the first people to say, Charlize can knock this out of the park, particularly the comedic stuff you might need. So, so I, had, I had talked to him about the project before. You know, he was still doing shoots on, on um, Vice, and I think mm -hmm. was just kind of getting into the editing room when it, when it came up. So there was no way that he, and also I don't think he wanted, would want to go from, <laughs> you know, from... Uh, from Cheney to to, right. to to Ailes, I think that that would have been a step too far. So, so he was, you know, he was always very supportive and very helpful, but he was not really. It was really just the timing was hard, you mm. know, um, for him. You know. So, as a screenwriter, it does seem like this and uh, and Big Short are another step, an evolution of your work. Okay. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm always interested in finding ways to do entertainment and politics at the same time, right? And so that, that all my stuff has that. Now, I don't always have as big a voice at the table to get my voice through so that a film like Love and Other Drugs, obviously that becomes slightly less political and a bit more of a kind of social drama in the way that, that Ed and Marshall do things. Uh, you know, but uh, but, but also yeah. not as I mean the, the, these two movies both have a kind of comedic rhythm, the, yeah. well then also specifically rhythm yeah. in terms of how they're written. Yeah, that is you know you know obviously some of it's happening in the editing room I guess, but yeah. it seems like a lot of it's in the script. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly after seeing this one, after yeah. seeing the previous one. Thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, that that isn't. Yeah, uh, you know, as you as you get to a certain status in the industry, you can do what you want to do. Right, and it's really that's. I've never heard a writer say that. Before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe not for very long, uh, but you know, you know. So, so that's my sensibility. You know, quick and and you know, when you have so many different characters, right? Mm -hmm. You you really pace becomes very delicate because you just you have to move with that pace and 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 the ability to play comedy and drama off of each other to you know to play with different registers of drama and all that sort of stuff that you get uh, to t to tap into that absurdist, slightly absurdist quality. Uh, a quality I associate with the Czech New Wave, which is a big influence on me. Uh, but you certainly get it in that in the Coen Brothers or in, in, in you know, in Alexander Payne's stuff. I mean, that that, mm -hmm. that kind of knowingness, you know, uh, you can finally get away with, you know, and and put on the page, mm -hmm. and people people will buy. Um, historically, that was always not so easy. You know, that there there was a um, there was a smartness is not the right word, but there was a quality of um, uh, of uh, not breaking the plane in terms of the fourth wall, but 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 taking in immediately what where the viewer is and in the, in the process of viewing and playing with that mm -hmm. that kind of scared studios. They were okay with it in comedies, you know what I mean, uh, and have been since you know the Road Two movies with right. you know <laughs> you know uh, Bing making you know Bing, Hope making fun of Bing Crosby and Weightline or what you know whatever in the middle of the movie you yeah. know uh, are talking about pandering for an Oscar or whatever, but. Um, but but in, but in more serious material, it was always been that was always been tough, and the breakthrough I think that Adam achieved with Big Short is that people trusted that you could marry those two things. Mm -hmm. So I could walk in a room and say I'm going to do a movie about Fox News and sexual harassment, and it's going to make you you know laugh as much as it can until it breaks your heart, and and people were like okay good let's go. 
It's interesting because Milos, Milos Forman did not end up doing much comedy in America. Yeah. <laughs> he ended yeah. up being pretty serious. Yeah, but his and stuff always had, a, had that, has that edge. A, that well, his head. early stuff in, yeah. from home was yeah. much funnier. Yeah. yeah, much funnier. And then, you know, even like Verhoeven yeah. was much funnier in the films in, yep. uh, from back home than from here. You know, I think that's a truck I think that's Fox News coming through. That was the Fox News truck. Oh. <laughs> They're here for us. Yes. Um, I think it's a little bit of a, an issue of co confidence with cultural codes. You know, the ability mm -hmm. to know exactly what the guy taking his ring off, you know, kind of in the open at a provincial dance would look like and sound like and how, how like, well, if you think of that scene, and I'm obviously thinking of a scene of Loves of a Blonde, you know, that scene where the guy has no shame really much in how he does it or mm -hmm. looking for the ring as it falls across, you know, that is not an all-American register, right? There, the, the, the American register of that scene would be much more um, self-conscious and the comedy of awkwardness, right? But you know, Milos films that as like, oh, he, he's got a, you know, everyone watches his wedding ring, and you know, and he's kind of goes chases it down at the dance before he tries to pick up the girl, and so you know, that kind of thing, you know, I think matters a lot, and so I think certainly with certainly with Milos, that that you know, probably there was, you know, being not having culture in his DNA made him a little bit more serious. Yeah, it's funny. Sure. There's a uh, kind of a mini controversy going on, I guess, around Little Women, yeah. that there's time jumping. Okay. And that it's somehow going to confuse the audience too All much. Right. And I'm like, I saw, I finally saw it, and I was like, I, I can't believe anybody thought that was that confusing. Right. Also in the Irishman this yeah, year, yeah. he also jumps around in yeah. time quite a bit, yeah. and it's like nobody seems to be bothered by that one. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, that's that's strange. That strange seems strange to me strange too, because I feel like that's the one thing that audiences get right that that, that they have let go of tracking narratives in terms of plot and have let embrace tracking them in terms of the emotional dynamic and the emotional conflict of character and we, you know we've we've educated you know for 50 years 60 years a whole you know a whole passel of people around the world and filmed how to do that and they've gotten extremely good at it you know you look particularly if you look at foreign films it's amazing how so that elliptical use of time and elliptical use of story works so well well i do think audiences are much smarter than people realize yeah. a lot of the time particularly film critics yeah uh, it's me amongst them, I guess. But I, you know, I also think that it's like it, this whole conversation with Marty, with Marty Scorsese and, and Marvel and all of that stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like we somehow they're because they have a different taste, yeah. which obviously is not as high end or whatever. Right. But it's what they are passionate. You know, right. there are people who have real passion about it, and there are filmmakers yeah. who have put their all into it yep. and you know really believe in it. And somehow that is. You can't have both. Right. <laughs> it's a very weird yeah. thing because I, people are making choices either way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It is true that, you know, and, I, and my company's called Gramsci, so I'm a fan of Antonio Gramsci, but <laughs> it is true that the avant-garde, you know, defines itself in opposition to the dominant culture, right? So it's what's, really, what's really interesting is what passes for art primarily with critics, but also with filmmakers, is things that, is, that the dominant culture is not doing, right? It's not creating out of whole cloth. We think of it as creating out of vision, some new thing, you know, that, that it's, that it's where, it, where it's taking totally from the outside world and, and, and building the new. It is doing that to some degree, but it's also taking things that it knows the dominant culture will respond to and that, we, that, that are often, you know, contrary to the dominant culture. And so, so you know, that's, that's it's no, no, no mistake that someone like Scorsese would feel that way, right? Because that is precisely what art, 
art cinema has done for, for, for most of, the, of, you know, of our history is, is trying to find itself away from the popular on some level. Yeah. But then to inoculate itself by taking things over. So it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit of that dance. I'm sorry, I'm off no, on film absolutely. theory No, rant. this is what I do. Okay. <laughs> That's right. what I want. Okay. Um, no, and I think that, you know, there's, being 78 is being 78. There's sure. nothing, I don't think it makes him an old man, but I do think he grew up in neorealism as his primary yeah. interest and... You know, Marvel is not going to be that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, nor right. was it really even an option for those films to exist right. 20 years ago. Right. And we've um, also... Because of technology. We've also kind of exhausted those aesthetic modes like camp, which were about taking popular culture and, and reworking it and playing. So we're not, we're not really doing that anymore. So mm -hmm. in a weird way, the, the big commercial cinema of our day, in part because it's just so expensive to make, it's hard to think of how you can take that and play with it and, you know, and, and find a new, art, more artistic register with it, I think, particularly if you're a neorealist. But think for all of us, it's like, because it's just so, it's so difficult to, to be able to do those films and to play with those codes, finding ways to make them fresh, to make them new, yeah. it's tough. Well, I think people forget how popular the teen comedies were in that period and how, yeah. you know, everything has been ironic for, you know, for 15 yeah. years and now, but that seems to be at an end now. Yeah. People are kind of ready for straighter humor. Yeah. And your yeah. fun movie is, both of your movies, are, these two movies are very funny, right. but also pretty much on it. Yeah. <laughs> They're not try, like, try. ironic. They're just right. real. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The world's yeah. ironic enough, I guess. Yeah, it is. And I think what I've found in trying to find a way again to do political and entertaining in, 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 in somewhat equal measure and to let them inform one another is that the irony does get in your way. It does start to rob it does start to rob the audience of a feeling of stakes and profundity and that sort of thing. And so with really serious stuff, you know, I think it's hard. It's very hard to be camp. It's yeah. just very hard to be camp. Well, this, I mean, the Jojo Rabbit is in this weird, interesting position yeah. at the moment right, where, right. you know, it opens up with, I want to hold your hand as, yeah. a, as a Hitler montage, yeah. and people are like, there's not enough Holocaust in it. And you're like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> Pretty sure he wasn't going for the uh, Death Cap movie yeah. <laughs> when he's right. doing shtick. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, what are, whether you like it or not, feel free to hate it. But, right. you know, right. it's yeah. like, what movie did you think you were getting right. when you sat down that first 10 minutes? Right. But he works very hard to establish at the end of the film its core humanism. Oh, yes. Right? He works very hard. In fact, I think some people complain he works too hard, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, and, and, you know, that's, and that's, it's precisely trying to strike that balance that's the difficulty. Yeah. You know? Well, that's uh, the funny thing is I found Little Women, for me, is like, to me, one of the most pieces of emotional pieces of filmmaking I've seen yeah. in years. Right. And it's not, the material is no different than what it was. Right. But Greta Gerwig brings a thing to it. Right. That's her voice. Right. That is all about heart, you know? And right, it's just great. like, she leans into that, and it's not like anything that's really out there. Right. And I think some people are freaked out by it. It's so interesting, yeah. Particularly yeah. critics who don't like to feel anything, because that's right. like, the worst thing you do with a critic is make them feel sincere emotion, because then they're really <laughs> angry at you. How dare you do that to me? Right. Um, which I think is also in JoJo in, in the end, they right. kind of, when you have to drop a tear for mom. Right. No, yeah. It's yeah. like, why are you doing this to me? Right, right. You should be putting her in an oven. I'm like, right. no, this doesn't work. Anyway. Yeah, but it's, it's fascinating at the end of JoJo how emotional that last Huge minute is. Absolutely. When they step outside, it's just, it's, it's, it's be so beautiful. It's, and that it, kid who, you know, the, the, the friend yeah. who is such an adult in yeah. that little fat kid's body. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, who yeah. has, has so much to say yeah. and so few pieces of dialogue, right, and yet yeah. he's this kind of profound, important character. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's a strange, and, and like, God bless it. You yeah. know, to me, that's the thing. It's like, I want that challenge. I love. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's what I want every time I go into a movie theater. Absolutely. That's when we go. 
So you got the movie. You've right. got Charlize on board. Right. You've got Jay on board. you got the other actresses on board. Right. Um, are you, what is your writer's experience like when you're shooting? Well, you're there every, I mean, I mean, when you're producing, you're there every day, right? right. And Jay, Jay is super collaborative. So, so you're hands-on as a producer. We are not... sitting side by side at the monitor, you yeah. know, uh, and he's very good about that and, and checking in, you know, uh, uh, and discussing takes and whatnot. So, mm -hmm. so he's, uh, he, you know, he's, he is remarkably capable of collaborating, not just with me, but obviously, but with, you know, everyone on, on his sets and sort of weaving a tapestry out of, out of um, hundreds of voices, you know. Um, Jay is not someone encumbered by sort of an auteur notion of his role, and mm -hmm. that helps. That helps a lot. Uh, mm. um, because there's no ego and no defensiveness or anything like that. He just wants to get it right and wants to make it as good as he can. So you have both hats on. Yeah. Is the writer there a lot, or is it primarily a producer once you start shooting? You know, uh, writer's there a lot. I mean, you, you know, anytime you have actors of this caliber, right, and, and all the way down the call sheet, right? It is an amazing Yeah, yeah it's a phenomenal cast. Some people, I think, won't even recognize half yeah, the people yeah, who are exactly. in it. Yeah, you know, you exactly. You know, you are getting feedback. I mean, these are people who, who embrace their craft with such passion and and with such directness that they want to all talk about their lines, their motivations, whatever. So, so you know, you're you know, you're 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 getting a lot of feedback, and so there's it's always some every day there's some little writing thing to do, and then of course there's some improv. You know, what 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 happens in a situation like this is it's not just you know, with very few exceptions, it's not just setting it up and letting them go. There's a little bit more of discussion of of what the improv could be, particularly with someone like Kate McKinnon. So. What would happen is Kate would go through the, the show up, would go through the, the script with her, and, and she would start to think of things that she would like, places she would like, and then she and I would sit down and sort of mm. create some, and then she would take that little tool of potential lines and get, go into the set and either use them or start riffing on them or go off on her own where you know where wherever she wanted to go. Um, but we didn't have a lot of that kind of actor, you know. Uh, a lot of our a lot of our people were were, were people who paint with fine brushes and, and really need the text to be firm and secure so they can sort of play around with it. Well, know? it's interesting because all three of the main actresses are producers yep. in their own right. Absolutely. <laughs> and have had success. And, right. You know, yeah. But I guess when they get on a set, somebody else's set, they want to just work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I think it's that. And I, you know, and, I, and I think they all, you know, they all um, respect the process and want it to be as good as possible and they all respect Charlize a great deal and 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 I think as women both Nicole and Margot and, and the other women would say as well they trusted her to keep an eye out for the concerns they might otherwise have had hmm. you know uh, as, as women on a set interesting so do you think that Margot's character who's not based on one person that we yeah. know in public is that make it harder or does that make it easier and does it make it harder for you as a writer or easier to not have the human being watching it or knowing that they're going to see it or whatever. yeah yeah you know I don't uh, I try to willfully ignore the opinion of the real person during the process and I and I like to bring them in later rather than earlier um, which is to say if someone's gone out and told their story in a book or to the New York Times or in an affidavit I take that as truth right uh, if, if I trust the source and I build a story out of that. And then I start to get dialogue with them. Now you will learn th new things. You will learn things that, you, that, that will change that. But rarely is it something structural. Uh, and, and rarely is it something that's key to the core 
character dynamic, the core, uh, you know, uh, uh, internal conflict. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I like to bring them in later, and then and they're, then I actually know what exactly it is I need from them. With minor characters, I don't. So you spoke to the real some of people. them. We spoke about twenty people, you know. Mm -hmm. um, with the minor characters, I don't like to meet people unless I can use their story. I, I, you know, particularly if they have an NDA. I don't want I don't I don't want someone to put their NDA at risk just. For right. me to go on a fishing expedition, you know that that strikes me as not the right approach. I'm not a journalist, you know. It's not a you know it's not a mirror. It's a canvas. So I I will pick and choose. In this case, there was a woman named Juliet Huddy who I had really concerns about two lines that we gave her, which we ended up taking out of the film. Mm. So I, I asked if she would meet me and I said, okay, we're going to say this. Is this true? And she no, nah, it's actually not. You know, and so I we had I ended up taking him out. Mm. And Kate McKinnon's character. Also a, a composite of some kind? Composite, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, um, a composite of different things. You know, part of her professional identity is, is based on uh, individuals we know who worked um, for Bill O'Reilly, you know, one in particular. Uh, her, sexual, her sexuality as an evangelical and, and someone whose who's, um, sexual identity is not yet, you know, Fully realized, I would say, you know, mm -hmm. uh, is based on uh, someone I know, and then her sexual relationship with Roger is based on three women that we, you know, had access to their stories. So you, uh, it, it is interesting that you had all these characters that we know from Fox News show up, but you really do lean into the women. Oh, absolutely. More than the guys. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. it's not like the Bill O'Reilly show. It's not like no. you know mm -hmm. they show up. He shows up at one point, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But it's not really about them much at all. Was that a conscious choice? That yeah, it was. I mean, it was. You know, uh, about a week before I went out, I think it was, uh, I talked to Jason Blum about, I had a meeting with him about other things, and he was just starting, I think, to look for a writer on their Showtime thing. Uh, and, you know, I, kn I knew Jay, uh, Gabe Sherman's book, so mm -hmm. we talked about it, and it was clear to us, I think, in three minutes that, oh, we're going to be doing very different things, you know. Uh, I was very much interested in the story of women. I was very interested in the issue of sexual harassment. You know, what I tend to do is I tend to keep a catalog in the back of my, my mind of social issues I'm interested in and traps with them. And so I've been looking for something to do on, on, on quid pro quo sexual harassment. Uh, I think we, Hollywood's done a lot of narratives around sexual violence. You know, SUV does it every week, right? Mm -hmm. But the issue, this issue, this more insidious issue of, uh, in some ways, or, or I sh more insidious is not the right phrase, this more subtle, less addressed issue of, of, of just this day-to-day -day sexual harassment and how that works in the workplace and how that can affect women, we haven't done a lot of. I mean, 9 to 5 did it, but there hasn't been a lot of mm -hmm. focus on that particular issue. So I've been looking for something to do on it, and Fox, the Fox scandal came along and had the most incredible set of characters. Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so you met with them specifically because you were both doing the same story? No, we were, we were meeting on a general about some so other So how nerve-wracking was it when you found out there was another project Not at all. of that size. Because I knew Gabe Sherman's book pretty well, and I knew what he would be doing. And uh, I, yeah, I, and, and I assumed that he would probably not be doing the, the Ailes firing. I thought he was gonna do the early Ailes. I think they, right. ended, up, I think they ended up doing an episode. I haven't seen it, but I, on, on, uh, on Ailes' downfall, but. Um, so you didn't it, even watch it? 
No, I never saw it. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that self-preservation or just lack of time? Just lack of time. Also, I, you know, I'd written this prior. I mean, I wrote this in 2017, you know, so so I'd kind of been done with that phase, you uh -huh. know. And so when, you know, so the, by, by the time it came around, we were already in production, and I was already doing, you know, and we'd already been doing our own primary research. So 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 it just didn't, you know, it was not, you know, um, and it's just a very different thing too. Yes. You know, right. Well, it's interesting because I had this conversation just this morning with an Academy voter about, you know, because he had just watched the Showtime thing okay. and binged it. And I was like, well, let's go see Bombshell anyway. And he's like, well, aren't they? The, how could it be any better? And I'm like, it's completely different. It's right, a yeah. different animal altogether. Yeah, yeah. One of the reasons being Lithgow and Ailes. Right. Um, I keep on saying that's the kind of, I mean, as great as the ladies' performances are, his is kind of the performance that people are, I think, is sleeping on a little bit right, because it's yeah. breathtaking, yeah. <laughs> and it's so subtle and it's so layered. Right. Is that? Do you feel like that's all? I mean, as a writer, do you feel that's all in the writing, <laughs> or is uh, that John, or uh, is that some combination of everything? Or my response to those six sentences on your part are yes, 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 and no. <laughs> I mean, it is an amazing anchoring performance, you know, and I feel about it a little bit like I felt in in watching. Um, um, Rachel Weisz and um, uh, Emma Stone, and mm -hmm. you know, and thinking, oh, that, oh, she's so good, she's good, and then you're like, wait, who's this other woman in the middle, right? <laughs> right? Like I'm not even paying attention to her, mm -hmm. and so I feel like that—that's what's happened here. You just, you just, John just sneaks up on you, and you realize, oh, that's not Roger Ailes, that's John Lithgow. So um, it is just an amazing performance, full of lovely layers, and some of which he's talked about, which is always so much fun to hear him do so. Um, but uh, yeah, that's not in the writing. That's in that's in John just bringing his A game and and making everything as real and human and unusual as possible. Some and people seem to think it's controversial that he's too human. Interesting. <laughs> uh, you know, you're not going to get harassed in life in a way that utterly devastates you. In, in turn, I, 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 from from what I can tell from from the people who've experienced it outside of repercussions, mm -hmm. as damningly and as damagingly as you are going to by someone you really care for and you really respect or who's a genuine mentor for you. So I think that particular dynamic is very important for a lot of victims, this, our survivors, which is this thing of this person you really think of as your mentor, you think of as your friend, you think of as you know, uh, someone who tru truly believes in your talent, and then you realize, oh no, this is about them wanting to have sex with me, and how devastating that can be. So, um, so yeah, so I, I guess what I would say is, is humanizing Roger matters. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I keep saying the same thing. My favorite response to this film is when people say, but why did you make me identify with them? You know, but that's not a bug. That, uh, that's a feature. That's the point, right? Mm -hmm. Not just to show, obviously, that this is, a, this is an issue that transcends partisanship, but that's how I entertain you. That's how I get you in, right? I get you to laugh at these people a little bit. Then I get you to laugh with them a little bit, and before long, you're in their um, emotional lives and their situations, and they and and you're fully with them, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's very hard to do with someone who is encoded from the beginning as a victim because there's a kind of earnest passivity we want to give to victims. We want, we're delicate in how we handle them in our hearts. And by being someone you think you know and someone you think you don't like and someone you think you can make fun of, I, kind of, I can kind of get you in on board much more quickly and much more powerfully. Well, you also don't, even with, with Nicole's version of Gretchen, you don't make her, um, I mean, she's heroic on a level, 
Right. And I, in fact, in life, she was heroic and did right. something important. And at the same time, you don't deify her, I yeah. guess, is the word I was looking for. Um, which is interesting because yeah. I, in some way, I mean, we're to people talking about the award season and it's like, Nicole is like perfect. She is like dead on, right. but it's not quite as showy as the other two performances yep. because she's just so solid. Yep. But she's the one who makes everything go. Yep. yep. I always put it this way. Megan and Charlize are our narrative center in this film, right? Um, Margot and Kayla are our emotional center and, and, Nicole and Gretchen are our moral center. You know, she makes the choices that really matter most for the morality of the world. And that's sort of a thankless task in some ways. You know, I think you're right. And so it's easy to dismiss how hard it is to do that, play that character, and play that character well. To, 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 to have the level of both being morally heroic in a certain way, but also real and quirky and odd and, and unusual tough. and tough. She's a tough right. woman. Yeah, and that's what I love about Gretchen from from to begin with, right? You know, uh, is that she has you know she has a certain nuttiness. You know, um, there's nobody inside a fox who doesn't have an opinion on Gretchen Carlson. You know, they all have such just vehement opinions, and she inspires that in people in part because her personality is just very uh, present you know she's she you know for some people she she feels they're very ambitious for other people she feels like she may be judging them she's a little bit of that midwestern you know beauty queen is too dismissive a term but mm -hmm. you know she is she's she's present in that way and and uh you know that's what makes her such an interesting person to do this because in a, in a certain way as the janine perot character says she's the, she's a figure who you know, doesn't have a friend in the building. That's an exaggeration, but she's, she is a person whose relationship to the other women in that institution is complicated, right? And yet she's the one who does something great for them. And how do they respond? They respond by denigrating her in public, right? It's a really fascinating dynamic. Well, it's funny having the Janine Perot character right. so front and center, because I don't think that most people who aren't Fox people knew her that well right, until right. Trump came in. Right. And then yeah. she became part of that yeah. whole drama. Yeah. So the fact that she is so present in this drama is yeah. kind of yeah. almost surprising. It is. You know, I would argue she's not much present at all. It's just Alana is so great at it. Yes. That you feel she's, <laughs> she's a very strong She's so voice. strong that the few scenes she's in, you just, they're etched in your brain, you yeah. know. And so, um, yeah, uh, she, you know, she was, I think, probably for most people, you know, Ailes' most vociferous defender. Yeah. yeah. And I, I can't imagine torturing... Uh, Holland Taylor anymore yeah, than making yeah. her play the woman who, who <laughs> let it all happen under right. her nose or made yeah, it all yeah, happen under her yeah, nose. Yeah, maybe yeah. her Cherry Jones would be more in pain if she right. did that role. But yeah, exactly. Maybe <laughs> it's like yeah. they couldn't think of a more opposite person no, on the that's planet. That's for sure. That's for sure. And she's great. Holland's so great at it. You know, Holland f finds in you know in the psychology of the enabler a certain kind of haughty self-protectionism, which is really interesting. Her. You know, she's gone all in on the power hierarchy of this institution, and so she, she's using it. She's she's feeling it. She's proud of it. You know, because the person who does that is right. The person who sort of, you know, who becomes someone who can watch that go on and look the other way is someone who genuinely believes the hierarchy is matters, right? And and so Holland found that in her. I always thought that was such a smart choice. So with all the spices that you have on top of the, the trio in the center, the, quad, right. the quadrilla, yeah. Yeah. whatever it is, the parallelogram, yeah. <laughs> the four of them in the center, was there ever a sense of, okay, I don't want to put in too much, or oh, I gotta, was there a measuring feeling? Or? Well, that's what you do in the editing room. I mean, my job is to give us as, as 
much material as possible, and then we start to titrate it. You know, Jay starts to titrate it in the editing room. And I'm not there every day. Like, I'm coming in once a, you know, a week, once every two weeks, whatever. Mm -hmm. so, so he's there, you know, being able to, to make that fit his sensibility. Um, and, you know, uh, you lose a lot of fun, great stuff. There's no question about it. But I'm a big believer in that, you know, the, this amount of stuff, if it gets reduced down to that, that still reflects that labor, right? Because that, that actor is bringing that to the process. There's, and there are things that we don't see that have informed those choices. And if that is the gold, if that is the stuff that you absolutely just can't resist not putting in the film, that's probably stuff that was, you know, again, was, was, uh, would only exist with this other stuff. Yeah. What well, it is, it's almost, uh, there's so much of it, you're, I'm almost thankful in the end not to have I mean, when Rupert shows up, right? Yeah, and that his face has changed so much that it's kind of amazing, almost. Right. Yeah, right. To see it that way. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's like the fact that he hadn't shown up earlier. Right. Is kind of a joyous moment. Yeah. Like, it's like it's such a so much like you know the king right. showing up right. at the end. Yeah. 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 To pronounce you know to clean right. up the mess yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, that was always fascinating. that was always one thing I really loved about writing this it was just the, the ability to like hold back and introduce another one that you you're like oh yeah that well right that one and then another one and then and then even on you know whatever it's a page 110 here comes Rupert Murdoch you know and so that that was always a great great part of the fun I thought of uh, of, of the story was just how you got to do that you got to you know you got to introduce the audience to people they knew you know all the way down yeah. so on Big Short, you got the same similar kind of awards attention, right? Yeah. As you're getting now for this, um, is that game changing for you, or is it just a, another step in your career, or how do you manage all that or care about? You know, all that? I don't, I don't know how much, I don't know how much awards mean in the career of writers, really. Not, not, not like actors and directors. I mean, that's that's a much different thing. I do think it helps in terms of. It gives, it gives people reasons to go to their boss and, and their boss say yes, you know? If you can go in and you can knock on her door and say, hey, this guy who's got this Oscar wants to do this, she can say, okay, you know, I, I, I can justify that to my board or, my, you know, to my CEO or whatever. So, you know, it's, 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 it, that, it, that part of it helps a lot. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, I, so far it's been, I feel like I'm, I, I, I get all the attention uh, and the respect that I need to get done what I need to get done. Uh, so I, I don't feel lacking. So had you felt that before? No. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, I think over time you do feel that, you know, absolutely. And do they uh, want that Barton Fink feeling now? Is that, are they coming to you for you and your style, or is it really you yeah, no, creating I, the project? Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of true story stuff. You know, I'm, I, you know, I get a lot of, oh, this is, you know... Um, but those are hard, and they're harder than people think. What, what makes a big splash in the newspapers isn't going to be what makes a good movie. A movie is always driven by a human being in a rich and unusual internal conflict, right? And that, it's hard to get those in true stories, right? For example, if you were to try and do the Harvey Weinstein story and you were going to focus on, on Jody and Megan at the time, it's like what internal conflicts do you give them, right? That not only makes sense for that story, but that our culture will accept. Right. right? That's not. That's these are not. These are not easy things. Uh, so to figure out. So um, you know. Um, yeah. It's. Uh, it's. 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 It's the thing I get the most. The, the, the true story things. I think that Harvey thing is that's going to be the hard nut to crack because people don't want to talk about 
anything but the you know the most obvious parts of it, which are obvious and horrible. Yeah. But then you know the, the whole thing that he was kind of a leader in putting women in the leads of films and yeah. for many years and all of those things. At the same time he was doing these horrible things. Right. Is a dichotomy that I think makes people so uncomfortable and itchy to even think about something other than you know he's right. an ogre, put him in the jail. Right. Which I'm all for being in the jail, but right. <laughs> you know it's a it's a weird. It is weird, you know. Weird truth, and I think when Trump comes along and becomes fodder, right, it's going to be hard too. I, I agree on, on both counts. I mean, with Harvey, it's it's tough in in the sense that that I always found Harvey someone people feared, and and a lot of people respected, like those mm -hmm. choices that you're talking about. But no one I ever knew really liked. He no. was not beloved. I mean, I never heard anyone say, "Yeah, let's I want to go hang out with Harvey." You know, that was not you know that was not the thing. Yep. You know, um, whereas Ailes. Some of those people inside that institution absolutely adore the man, uh, adored the man. And, you know, that, that gave us a little bit more to play with in terms of his emotional relationship to his world. You know, Harvey's going to be harder. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, the idea that's coming across now more and more that Trump has no friends. Yeah. That he has acquaintances yep. and he has people who put up with him yep. or, you know, want to be in a circle, but yep. are not really, yep. does he really have a single friend in the world? Yeah, yeah. Outside of his children, yeah. When even yeah, and even, he, even his children's relationship to him at times fe feels shockingly transactional yeah. to those of us who you know don't have that relationship to our to our our children or our parents. Yeah. I still think Barron's going to kill him in his sleep. That's my theory. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the, whatever happens the next couple of yeah. years. Barron's going to get fed up at fifteen and said, oh, try to kill him. This. Yeah, had enough, Dad. Um, he'll love heroin. It'll be good for him. Um, <laughs> poor Barron. Poor, he's the victim in all of this. Right. That'll be that'll be the movie. Baron the movie. Yeah. yeah. But you just. But really, that's how you do it. And you find a way in that comes at it from the side. Mm -hmm. You know. And that and that that throws us into you know emotional turmoil in this world, in ways we can identify with both sides of the equation. Right. And so you need a character like that to, to come at this. You know. So is writing and producing as a combination? It's great. You yeah, I really be? like it. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit obviously a little bit more of a time. Uh, requirement, but I do. I have to say, I really like being able to 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 sit at the table. Well, some um, writers end up being directors for that reason, yeah. but it sounds like you found the way this works. Yeah, and I may direct something too if if, you know, if it's something that I you know want to dedicate the, my time to. There are a couple of things I'm I'm thinking about, um, probably a little bit different than uh, than what I do. You know, uh, uh, a little bit smaller, um, uh -huh. but but. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, particularly when you have partners like Charlize and Jay, it's, it's a delight, you know. So this has been such a good experience, you know. If it, it had been a bad experience, it would be different, but, yeah. So when somebody comes up to you at the, after a screening and wants yeah. to compliment you, what's the best thing you can hear? Wow. Sorry. Um, you put me in that room with a woman who I didn't know what that felt like. And I didn't believe it. And now I do. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Surprising emotion to me. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, that's, an, that's an, a very emotional answer. Yeah. It's not, I like the movie. Yeah. Well, that's true. It's I yeah. felt something yeah. that I didn't feel. Yeah. It changed my life yeah. in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just it's it's a profoundly an emotional thing, right? That just that you can take people, and in this hyper partisan, 
you know, a world that has such strong gender defensiveness that we can kind of break through all that and say, okay, you know, I, I get that now, you know. Uh, so I'm not, not even to say that that person has to believe every story that's out there. They have to be marching in the streets. But they get that that happens and what that means and that it can be utterly devastating for other human beings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's important. Couldn't be more important. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, for gladly, yeah. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. All right.